I felt stuck because I was like, man, I don't have a degree. I don't have money. I literally was like, I think I had like $1,500 in my bank account at the time. I was like, I don't have money. Um, and my creative career is like not really existent right now. It's like there, like if I took a good photo, I could take a good photo, but I don't know how to like make money with my camera. That wasn't really like a thing for me. It wasn't really an option. This is the Hello 20s podcast. My name is Jan and I'm your host. I'm a corporate professional during the day, a digital content creator by night, and really just a 20-something year old trying to navigate life while sprinkling a little knowledge and wisdom here and there. Let's face it, we don't have it all figured out, but we can learn a little from each other along the way. And I'm so glad you are tuning in on today's episode. Hello friends, thank you so much for joining me on another episode of Hello 20s. Today we are joined with a guest. Edward Lee is a videographer whose work is just really incredible. I am so glad we got the chance to sit down and talk. So in this episode, we talk about how everything in your life, the job, the experiences, the highs, the lows, all serve its purpose and it's really just a build up to where you want to be. I know at times when you are facing the lows in your life and you just can't help but ask yourself why are you going through this right now or how is this serving you but everyone knows hindsight is 2020 and you're more aware of how each had its own purpose when you're looking back. So I thought Edward would be a great guest to come on and talk about his life so far and how his highs, lows, and starter jobs really helped him navigate back to his passion in his career. I hope you all enjoy. Hello, Edward. Thank you for coming on today. How are you doing? Hello. Thanks for having me on the podcast. I'm doing good. Um, just rainy Seattle today with the smoke, so can't complain. Well, how's um, how's everything on the West Coast? Are you close to like all the things with the fire or anything like that? Yeah, it's pretty bad out here too. I mean, in terms of like the smoke, we don't have mm-hmm. necessarily any of the fires where I am, like in the Seattle kind of urban area, but some of the fires, all the smoke has gotten to our area. So if you look down like downtown Seattle, it's just all smog it's all smoke can't really see anything the air quality was really really bad over the last few days um so you can't really go outside or it's not recommended to go outside but for the most Mm -hmm. part it seems like it's clearing up a little bit and it's raining today so that should help some of the some of the fires that are happening all in the west coast 2020 has been freaking crazy so (laughs) yeah (laughs) well I can't even imagine hopefully everyone's safe hopefully your family is safe as well Mm -hmm. but yeah thank you so much for coming on um for listeners who are listening in we've kind of planned this for a year and now we finally have the time to sit down and actually record Edward's a really busy guy but I'm so glad he's on this episode because I think he has a lot of wisdom to share and to offer when it comes to building a career and you know building the life that you want in the creative field as well he has gone through some ups and downs um, being a filmmaker and freelancer and trying to navigate his career through that so I'm grateful to have him as a guest so before we get into just you navigating through your career what got you started in creating and editing videos um before I get there, I just want to say that intro was like freaking flawless. Really? <laughs> it was just like so concise and it was just such a solid intro because when I do my intros, it's so like, uh, like rambly. So that was, that was awesome. I, I really enjoyed Thank that. Thank you. Um, so to answer Thank your question, 
uh, what what got me started in uh, creating editing videos. So a little bit of background story. Um, well, first, my name is Edward, like you guys know, but I'm a filmmaker and content creator in like the Seattle area. Uh, I started creating content back in uh, high school, like I guess kind of professionally or side hobby wise. But I've kind of always been into creating content back in middle school when I had my first like camera phone. I remember it was like the Samsung Galaxy like back in the day. And that's when they had they actually already had like what we what we know as portrait mode now on iPhone. They actually had something yeah. similar to that on the Samsungs like 10 years ago. Um, oh so gosh. when that happened, I remember just like seeing a photo and like the background being blurred out. And I thought that was like the most amazing thing ever. <laughs> The bokeh. Yeah, the bokeh in the back and just a little compression. And my first camera I got was Costco little like bundle deal uh, for like a Canon mm -hmm. Rebel, like T3i, T2i. It was like $500 with the kit lens. That was a big investment. Um, my parents got it for me. But after that, I pretty much just started doing, literally, I would take photos of anything. Like I would come home with the camera and I would see like my mom cooking or like a water bottle and I would just take a photo of it. And the bokeh in the background, the blurred background was just so amazing to me. And also the fact that I would take it, you know, we hang out with friends, I would take my camera and then just seeing the like a photo, if you really think about it, you're freezing a moment in time. Like you're quite literally taking a moment and you're freezing it to look back on. And that just like yeah. blew my mind. So that's kind of how my passion for photography like kind of started. And then in high school, kind of fast forward to like junior year, um, sophomore year, I was doing like senior portraits for some friends, but I wasn't even doing it for money. It was just like $50 here. And I wouldn't even like ask for it. You'd be like, here, just take the money. I'm like, no, it's okay. It's okay. But before you know it, like I had some people that weren't really my friends asking me for senior portraits. And then from there, I would charge like $100 per portrait session. Sometimes I got up, I think I got up to like $250 for a session at a certain point, which isn't mm -hmm. that bad. But I kind of was going through, I mean, I mean, I'm not sure what the average age group of the listeners are, but, you know, everyone goes through that little like career crisis between like high school and college. Like, what am I going to yeah. do? And I was kind of going through that because, of course, at the time, this is before like influencers or like Instagram was really a thing. Um, of course, it was growing, mm -hmm. but it wasn't really a thing. And so for me, I was still majoring in um, a medical field, actually. I was going to school for... Uh, I was trying to become a pharmacist um, and that just didn't really work out. It wasn't my jam <laughs> when I was in college. Human anatomy, right? Yeah, yeah. I took one human anatomy, the physiology class almost failed. And I was like, yo, this isn't it. <laughs> this isn't it for me. So I mean, keep in mind during this time too, I kind of put the camera to the side because mm -hmm. um, I was like, oh, I can't make 250 a pop for these portrait sessions is good. But, you know, I can't make this a real living. It wasn't really a reality to me at the time, you know, like making money with a camera to maybe one day support a family. It just was, it was not in my realm of thinking. I was like, man, if I want to make money, I got to be a lawyer or pharmacist. I got to go to school to like get a real degree to actually make some money. Um, and so I kind of put the camera aside. But when I went into, um, I worked retail a little beforehand, which I'm sure we'll get to in a second. But essentially, yeah. I, I got back into content creation. And that is when, when video was starting to pop off a little bit. And, you know, vid cameras started to have more video features. And so that's when I kind of transitioned into videography. And that was like 2017. Um, so, yeah, that was kind of a lot to cover. But basically, since 2017, I've been doing video. So about 
three years now. And I want to say, like, your video, they're so crisp. They're, like, so clean. I, I've i seen your um, Instagram grids, right? Like, the posts that you post on Instagram, like, the how-to stuff. And, I, I mean, I've done photography. I've done some video, but it's not to your level. I wish I could do your level stuff. And I've been trying to learn, but I feel like it's just I'm not as passionate as, like, someone who is really, really passionate about photography and videography would be. But, yeah, your the quality is just so good. Like oh, the cars yeah. one, so <laughs> clean. I've actually shown um, a friend your Instagram before, and this was like last summer, and he was such a fan of your like Instagram theme and the grid because of how clean it looked and how like crisp it was. So definitely check out his social media. His work's amazing. That's, that's um, yeah. I'm glad your friend felt that way because I I do feel like I try to do that. Um, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's nice to hear some feedback that it's actually relaying. Cause I do look at the grid before I even post, like before I even look at the cover photo for a photo, I look at how it's going to look on the grid first, which I think is a big yeah. part of the personal branding, but that's really cool to hear. Definitely. Yeah, no, it's, it's really good. I like it. So before you made the leap of faith to, you know, create your own business, you had several jobs, like you said, prior, and some of these jobs were not related to what you wanted to do. It's not editing, it's not making videos, not taking photos. So what advice do you have for people who are in that job, but they want to pursue a creative field? Because there are a lot of people right now who may be you know, in those type of jobs, maybe in retail, maybe, you know, working at Starbucks, like you said, or a restaurant. Um, but that's not what they want to do. And they don't really see an end to that right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, this is a good question. I just I don't want to I want to preface this by saying, like, I don't want to be insensitive to anyone because everyone's situations are different. You know, like, you know, for me, yeah. when I was younger, and I was blessed to have two parents, I didn't really pay rent growing up, things like that. But you know, some people, I know some of my friends, they were paying rent ever since they were like 17, you know, since they were 18. And so, of course, depending yeah. on your monthly expenses, it's a little bit different, right? You can either have more freedom or less freedom. As far as like mm-hmm. doing a job that maybe you don't see an end to that you're not that passionate about. For me, my first job was Starbucks. That job sucked. Mm-hmm. I hated that job, <laughs> to be honest. I mean, I love Starbucks, pumpkin cream cold brew, fire, but... I can't really work there because when I worked there at Starbucks, it was in high school. And because I had to go to school in the daytime, I worked at night and night shift is like basically cleaning up all day, morning and afternoons mess. <laughs> because I mean, who, who really goes to Starbucks at night, right? Like unless you're going for a meeting, mm-hmm. most of the Starbucks runs are like in the morning or midday, um, not that many people. So I was just like cleaning dishes all the time at Starbucks. So um, mm-hmm. I did it. Of course, I wasn't passionate about that job. Um, it has nothing to do with content creation because I was into photography at the time. But one thing that I always kept in mind when working a job at Starbucks and then I worked at Zoomies, but just just those kind of jobs in general, I guess you could say like starter jobs, high school jobs. It's more of a mindset than anything. You know, for me, mm-hmm. um, even though I knew I wanted to do something more, whether that be photography and all those kind of things, if someone were to come into our store I wasn't going to be like mad at them. You know, I wasn't going to be mad at them because it's not their fault that I'm working at Starbucks. Like they're just trying to yeah. drink and move on with their day. I wasn't going to be all mad about it because I'm not pursuing my dreams. That's just not fair. And I'm really glad that I did that because even though like literally content creation wasn't my job until like four jobs in, 
I worked at Star. I worked at my mom and dad shop when I was younger. They have like a sandwich shop. That's like cool. Mm-hmm. And then I worked at Starbucks. Then I worked at Zoomies. And then I worked at Nordstrom. Um, Nordstrom and women's shoes, selling shoes to girls. You know, it's like <laughs> all of which do not consist of photography or videography. Um, but with all those, I felt like life, you know, I don't like to use it because it sounds kind of cliche, but life does go in seasons, you know. And for me, during all those times, I took something away from each of those jobs. So like Starbucks, I learned about, you know, having a positive mindset, even though I'm washing dishes all day. That was like something I cultivated. Zoomies, like I'm not sure how many people go to Zoomies. I don't shop there anymore, but (laughs) people who go into Zoomies, they're kind of like obnoxious, more like skater vibe. You kind of have to be really like up for like forward with people. Um, So that kind of gave me the like confidence to talk uh, just like off the cuff, you know, trying to be cool with people. And I was in high school and then Nordstrom, that job, um, you know, at my age, it was a little bit more in the high end. So I had to like dress nicer, talk more professional. And that kind of taught me professionalism. So I guess what Mm -hmm. I'm trying to say is for those of you who are listening, if you're working a job that you're not necessarily in the specific field you want to end up in, still look at it in the perspective of what you can take away from it. So if you are working retail, if you're working at a restaurant, there's still something you can take away from working at that job, whether that be a mindset, whether that be a skill, maybe like how does your boss lead the group? How does your managers and supervisor, how are they talking to you? All those kind of things can you know help you in a later job. And that's the kind of mindset that I took. And also, it's it's more of the side hustle aspect. And when I was at Starbucks and Zoomies, I still did photography on the side. I would still do portrait sessions. I would still grow my skills as a creative. Of course, going to school, working a job, and trying to do photography is a lot. You know, like I, yeah. I totally can relate to the going to school, working a job, and then trying to find that extra time to do something creative and and something you're passionate about. But you know, the reality is a lot of people are in that situation. And if you actually talk to a lot of CEOs and founders of companies, a lot of them, not only were they going to school, they were going to prestigious schools like Yale, NYU, Berkeley, all these, they were going to prestigious schools and running a business. And sometimes they were family men. So it's like, if you're a younger one, like millennial, or you're still like going to school, chances are you don't have that many obligations yet as you would if you were in your thirties. So for working a job, it's really, and and as far as working a job and pursuing your passion alongside it, I would say you get out as much as you put in. So if you're going to put in only 50%, you're going to get 50% back. But if you feel like you're putting at 100%, you're going to reap 100% of the benefits when it does come back around. Definitely. I really like what you said. And I also think a lot of jobs even if they're not in your field of interest, they have they can teach you a lot of skills that are transferable, especially like if you work retail or work um, in restaurants or stuff like that. You learn things about, you know, building a business and how to customer relations and all that stuff. And if you are into, you know, creating your own business one day, that's something that you can learn from those jobs, whether it's in the same industry or not. Right. Yeah, definitely. I had to agree with all that. And I I know that after all those jobs that you had, you found a job that was related to your field at Rhino. But I want to ask you, what made you use Craigslist to look up that job? (laughs) Oh, that well, that's such a good question. I've I've been on a few of these calls, and 
I've answered that question of, all about Rhino a lot, but no one has actually asked me why I looked on Craigslist. <laughs> That's a good question. Yeah, no, because like I remember a few last year when my friend and I we were looking for jobs, she would look on Craigslist, and she's like in the medical field, and I was like. Craigslist medical field <laughs> Craigslist in general for a job I've seen some sketchy stuff on there but I mean there's some good stuff but what made you choose Craigslist um honestly I I wish I had like some scientific answer that's like based on data <laughs> but I don't I just really was looking for a job at the time and mm -hmm. Craigslist does have a job section so I kind of just went there because you know when I was looking for that job I was I was kind of in a rut I was kind of at an all-time low a little bit I guess you could say yeah. uh, that was like a low point of my creative career, which it was like right before a high point, which is ironic how that works. But Craigslist, mm -hmm. you know, I think a big reason why um, employers go on Craigslist is because a lot of the times when you go on things like Indeed or job search, things like this, there's a middleman or agency. So like a lot of these employers, they don't like using these platforms because you have to pay a fee usually if they do find someone. Um, mm -hmm. or you know, like getting targeted with ads and things like that to find the right employees. And that can be kind of like tedious. Whereas Craigslist, similar to if you were like sell a car to a dealership versus if you just sell it on Craigslist yourself, it's a lot easier to just communicate directly with like people who are interested. And so I think that's why mm -hmm. people do postings on Craigslist. And that's exactly why um, kind of I was going and why I was like at least experimenting with it. And that's exactly what it was because Rhino, yeah, they had job posting other places, but Craigslist, they had a few people who were local too, because when you do the whole yeah. career route, like LinkedIn or Indeed and stuff, it's kind of hard to find hyper local um, employees. Mm -hmm. Whereas with Craigslist, it's pretty much just your city. So it's really like, yeah. it's catered to the zip code and things like that. So yeah, that's such an interesting question. Good question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. So as a young entrepreneur, you know, there's a lot of things you need to do. And in order to run a successful business, you have to be comfortable with being uncomfortable and taking risks. And I know you learned to be uncomfortable while you were working at Zoomies, but what other ways do you think has helped you become more comfortable with being uncomfortable? Um, I would say it's a, it's a tough question. Like how I was able to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. I think there mm -hmm. is no right answer to that. I think you really just have to learn to be uncomfortable, if that makes sense. So yeah, you, there really isn't a point of comfort. I, I don't really think you get to a point where you're comfortable with anything that you pursue in business or any kind of endeavor. Like none of it feels comfortable. Even now, like now, I still feel uncomfortable about all the things that I pursue. But I think what, what more of it is you start to get used to the uncomfort. Like you start to get used to being uncomfortable. Like you use it as a tool and as a resource, like this uncomfort that you, or this, this discomfort, I guess you could say, you start to adapt to it and use it more mm -hmm. as fuel rather than a crutch. Because when you're uncomfortable, a lot of times people, they run away from it. But I would say a lot of business owners, they're just successful because they've learned to like run towards discomfort. They've, I guess you could say like people learn to fail fast they're okay with failing yeah. failing fast failing often that's like no one likes to fail that's uncomfortable right but yeah <laughs> that's why people love to fail fast fail often at least all successful people that i know they all have gone through their lessons the person that's trying mm -hmm. to obtain com comfortableness in business mm -hmm. 
it always ne it never really works out because they're never willing to push the boundaries they're never willing to like go that extra length because they want to be comfortable and they want to do it mm -hmm. properly i guess you could say but if there's one thing i've learned in especially creative work or just entrepreneurship in general it's a whirlwind like there is no comfort <laughs> no structure like you literally just have to chuck something at the wall and hope it sticks um yeah you get to a point where you do find strategies that work but i mean you never get to a point where you're like okay this is the end all be all once you find something that works you find the next thing to work on and then the next thing and then the next thing and it's just this definitely ongoing process um of basically just entrepreneurship and business i guess definitely and i think like if you're not okay with like or if you don't like the feeling of discomfort and taking risks then it's really hard for you to be successful and grow as a business because you're not taking some chances that would be very valuable for your business and to grow so I really like what you said and I want to go back a little bit on how you said after I think you said after you had your job at Nordstrom you um, had a mini career crisis of like your career and you don't know what to do it was like in between high school and college was that right mm -hmm. yeah that's right yeah and so you like soon hit a low in your life and you fell out of your passion can you just tell me a little bit more about that period of period of your life and how you were able to navigate past that yeah definitely um i would say to kind of go back to that time a little bit um during that time i was like moved out of the house so i was still trying to like now i was trying to like make money on my own and things like that i was still in my second year of college i, I didn't necessarily have a degree to go get a job that you know paid really well and my content mm -hmm. creation it was still only a hobby at that point it wasn't something that I could walk into an agency or a business and be like, Hey, hire me. It was, it was still like baby level. Um, as far as the content creation side goes. So I felt stuck. Cause I was like, man, I don't have a degree. I don't have money. I literally was like, I think I had like $1,500 in my bank account at the time. I was like, I don't have money. Um, mm -hmm. and my creative career is like not really existent right now. It's like there, like if I took a good photo, I could take a good photo but I don't know how to like make money with my camera. That wasn't really like a thing for me. It wasn't really an option. And so that's why, I, that's why it resulted in this like kind of rut, I guess you could say. Um, but yeah. talking about breakthrough, um, it was more so just making sure that the process was still there. So I would still, you know, go out to create content when I could. I was still moving forward with college. I was still trying to make money and find a job i didn't just like give up on any of those pillars i wasn't sure which mm -hmm. one was going to work out because i was still going to college obviously but it wasn't like a clear indicator where i wake up one day and i'm like i'm going to be a content creator and make a bunch of money <laughs> it, it wasn't like that yeah. it was um it was very unclear so i would like still take photos here and there i was still going to school and then i was like you know what? i'm just going to stay at nordstrom and stick with this job um and maybe start looking for a new job so all the pillars were still there. I was just crawling kind of slower at all of them. And then that is kind mm -hmm. of when um, Rhino, that opportunity kind of came my way. And that was, I was there for like two years. So, um, and yeah. that's how I got out of it. But the low point, I guess, to answer your question, uh, it was more of just like making sure I don't give up on the passion. And a lot of times when you hit a low point, people, um, they'll just say like, they'll just abandon something. They'll just be like, you know what? Like, 
I can't do college. I'm going to drop out. Or, you know what, I'm going to, mm-hmm. I, I can't make money with a camera. I'm going to just forget it. Maybe I can't do photography. I'm just going to give up. And that, that mm-hmm. is what you don't want to do. Um, and I knew that I didn't want to do that. So I pretty much just had to navigate it by not going at the same pace I was, just going a little slower. And so when you were still doing photography at that time, were you doing photography, like finding new clients or were you just doing it for fun? What was it? Um, well, I wasn't, I mean, of course I was trying to get new clients, but you know, at that stage in my life, I, I didn't have any experience. Like I, I didn't even know like how to pitch clients. I didn't know, like if I knew what I knew now, then mm-hmm. I would have, I would have yeah. dropped out of college and quit Nordstrom a long time ago, but I didn't know what I knew now. So I, I, I wasn't sure how to get more clients and how to navigate that world. Um, and also, mm-hmm. I mean, it's kind of hard when you're, you know, so young and clients don't really take you seriously because they're like, they, they want to work with someone who's older, who has experience when, you know, it's funny because if you're listening to this and you're young and you're creative, let me just tell you, creators who are young have the upper hand over all these like older guys because we we understand we are on our phones more we understand the trends on tiktok youtube instagram like our parents generation or even a little bit younger than that they don't understand what's happening in the digital world so whenever i hear people say like oh i'm, I'm too young to pursue my passions i'm always like you should be glad you're young because now you could see it, you know, back in the day, for example, let's say wedding photographers, they were like Uncle Bob with a camera and just taking <laughs> a couple, or you went to a studio. But now you have these like 17, 18 year old millennials like coming in with like really nice equipment and doing like amazing photos that you would never even see that we haven't even seen in probably the last mm-hmm. 10 years of like elopement or engagement photography. And they're all super young. It's like, making these older friends like or run for their money because they have to adapt now. Um, And so for me, that was tough, like trying to find work as a young as a young creative, I guess you could say. But I wasn't getting gigs or anything to go back to your question. I was struggling still trying to even make any kind of money with photography. I had events couple. Mm -hmm. I had a couple events here and there that I shot. Uh, I actually shot some photos for the Redmond newspaper, which is like a city up north and I was pretty young but they gave me this opportunity and I was so mind blown I was like the newspaper oh my goodness (laughs) I just I just jumped two feet on it and I realized how little they paid me now like back now I look back and they just kind of not took advantage of my youth but you know they knew that I was excited they knew I was young and I took a gig I got paid I think five hundred dollars for like Mm -hmm. I don't even know like 40 hours of work which is Mm -hmm like in the creative world that's crazy you know i i went to like yeah. i drove 45 minutes to these events and i shot like eight hour days and i was getting paid like 50 dollars, you know but i was so stoked about it because no one was offering to pay me at the time um mm-hmm. but i probably total like during that period of my life i probably made like up until that point maybe three thousand dollars maybe mm-hmm. maybe maybe four thousand as a creator for like three years, yeah. that three year span. <laughs> yeah, I don't know about you guys, but I can't live off of $3,000. <laughs> I like how you um, you said like, when you look back, you feel like it, the pay was not that great. Because I think like early, um, young creatives, sometimes they are just so eager to get any work that they're willing to undervalue themselves instead of, you know, like 
being like, hey, I think I'm worth this much. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Are you yeah. talking about the value of that they put on themselves? Yeah, like the value, like, I guess like the price. I Like, I know like photographers, when they start off, they would pitch themselves a little shorthanded, you know, just to mm-hmm. get the work instead of um, asking for a price that they think is fair. Yeah, that's always a battle, though, that I think a lot of creators... I think just in entrepreneurship in general, when you're coming out with a, a product or a service, it's always yeah. tough gauging the price question and, and the value, the value of whatever something is worth, right? And um, mm-hmm. leading back to the discomfort that we were talking about earlier, that's always uncomfortable. Like, wh- like it, it is. <laughs> it's, it's always uncomfortable. Like any product, any niche is not just content creation. It's like when you're innovating, when you're coming out with like new ideas, there is no benchmark for it yet. Like how is someone supposed to know how much to charge? Um, Mm -hmm. And that's exactly how it is, even in the creative world, you know, like you have this like grand idea for a video and someone will look at it and be like, that's worth $200, but how can they say, because that's a one of its kind and that that company has never paid for a promo video. So I would say it's always discomforting. Um, If you want to get technical about it, for me, whenever I do pricing, and kind of my self-worth, uh, I have a hack uh, that I do. And that hack is okay. basically, if I get a gig that I don't like, um, or mm-hmm. like let's say I get an inquiry that I'm not like super excited about and I'm not like jumping on it, I will literally triple mm-hmm. my prices. Like I will literally <laughs> charge them three times what I would normally charge because mm-hmm. what that, not really just not to screw the client over, but it's for myself to see can, is there people out there that will actually even pay me this much for my services? And that's a good Mm -hmm. benchmark for like gauging your services and your product and your like whatever you're offering. Um, Because with that process and that hack that I've done, I've been able to slowly climb my prices like each year because it's the value, right? Like let's say like, Mm -hmm. uh, for example, like let's say some client comes to me and it's some makeup company that I don't really want to shoot with, but let's say they offer me, two times what I would normally charge, right? Now mm-hmm. I can get excited about it because the money and value is there. Like the value to money ratio, it's relative and you can get excited about it, right? Like no one's excited about working at Starbucks, like I said earlier, right? Or I wasn't at least. Yeah. But if, but if they paid me $6,000 a month to work there, I would probably get excited about washing dishes at the time. Yeah. So it's, yeah. it's more of that cost to value ratio and for me, when I've done that process each year, I've been able to be like, oh, okay, like I can charge this much, this much. And then I will start to raise my prices even to my normal clients because I'm starting to mm-hmm. see the value that I offer. And that's worked out pretty well because a lot of creators or people will just be scared to charge up because they're like, what if I scare the client away? What if, what if I put some crazy number out there and they're like, no, nah, that's too high. And then they ghost me. That's like a common yeah. worry that a creators have, but the, the reality is I always tell people is that whether you have a service, a product, there's only one you, you know, there's like so many brands out there, but there's only one you. Mm-hmm. So if they're like, oh, you're too high, dude, you can move on to the next one. There's, there's, they, people who, it's so much better to work in an industry where you're valued um, aside from the money that you're making. Like, what's the point of making six figures a year if you, if everyone treats you like crap? Like what's, what's the yeah. point? It's not worth it. Like I would rather get paid less and be valued as a creator Definitely. than make Definitely. money and, and valued 
uh, devalue myself. Definitely. That was really great. I really like that hack. I hope like other people start using it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I don't know if it applies to the listeners and what they do, but um, that's what I did and it's worked out pretty well for me. That's great. So you worked at Rhino for two years. um, And then after that, you gave them your two weeks notice. um, And then you started to, you know, go on your own entrepreneurial journey. So what was like the point when you realized like, I want to start my own thing like that I want to like I have a good time. And I learned a lot from Rhino. But now I want to start my own journey and my own company. Mm hmm. Are you asking like my mental thought process behind all that? Yeah. 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 Um, I mean, for me, I really love that job. Like, I really, really love that job. Um, I feel grateful that I had that opportunity. I don't think all creators, especially in the video niche, get to have like an experience um, like that working at a startup that makes video products. Um, it's pretty unique. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think I just got to a point where... I mean, to be honest, to be fully transparent, there was a, a trip we took with a with the work uh, work trip, and because of that job, I managed and brand ambassadors and influencers, and aside with create aside from creating and all that for the brand, you know, working at a startup, you wear a lot of hats, and for me, I, I kind of took the lead on managing, I guess, like networking with influencers and managing those par- partnerships. So. I'm not sure if anyone on here watches like Peter McKinnon and, and those people on YouTube, but I had an opportunity to go to Iceland with Peter McKinnon and Maddie. No way. Um, and I also shot, went to Ireland and I saw a bunch of the creators that I watched, like Jesse Driftwood. And there was this girl named Sorella Moore. I think there, she does like a bunch of like selfie photos and just like these huge influencers, right? I'm just like this small creator. Like I still feel small, but at the time I was just like working a job and, you know, doing all this stuff and I felt really small. But when I saw these people speaking on stage at keynotes and, you know, creating content and I thought to myself, like, why, why can't that be me? Like, I can do that too. Like, why can't I talk on stage? Why can't I like create content and travel the world? Like, it was just more like that manifestation, like seeing all that and talking to these people face to face. They're just normal people. Like, Everyone who's listening probably has their favorite influencer that they watch who's like big, has a million subscribers. But let me tell you, like, they're just normal. Like, they're, they like, aside from the fact that they get like a lot of engagement on their phone whenever they post a photo or post a video, when you meet these people, they're just normal. You know, if anything, Mm -hmm. I would say people who have influence have a harder time at being normal because like all the stuff they're bombarded with, like, a lot of times they're like, either too cocky with where they are and it's like they're not really a, a pleasant to be around to be honest i've dealt with that a lot like i i thought some people were cool then you meet them and you're like wow you're so not cool compared to what you have on your like influence i was that guy too you know and so um i i made sure that once i like saw how normal these people were i started to brew on that idea like how come i can i can do this too and so when i got back from all those trips um it was just like a slow progression, like in my brain, you know, like every time I would go to work, like nine to five, like go into the office at nine o'clock, work, leave at five, go home, sleep. It was just a cycle. But like these seeds of influence started to get planted, like in my head of just like, go out and like chase it. It was like a pulling force, like you could do it, you could do it. And before you know it, like when I quit, that's when it all came together. And I was like, you know what, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna full send and just try it out. Because for me at the, at the time, and 
you know, I think that, you know, a lot of times we grow up um, until we're like 25 thinking like, you know what, I'm supposed to like party and do all this stuff and really like live my life. And then when I'm older, I can settle down and, and live like a comfortable adult life. But reality is, I think it's actually opposite. I think when you're younger, when you have no kids, you're not married yet, you don't own a home yet, you don't have a mortgage, that is when you want to be like freaking laser focused on your goals and your ambitions because you have a lot of room for error. You know what I mean? So when you're young, actually, like high school, college, sub 25 years old, that is when you should be like really focused on what you want to do with life and try this, try that, fail here, fail there. Because when you're older and you have kids and mouths to feed and you can't do that. So I, mm -hmm. I knew that like when I was quitting my job, I was like, dude, if I don't quit now and experiment with this like whole freelance entrepreneur thing and I just stay here for like maybe let's say 10 more years, 20 more years, I'm not going to be able to do it later. So if it yeah. doesn't work out, you can always go back. Like that's the thing that people are always kind of not unsure about like school that's always going to be there nine to five jobs that's always going to be there like, <laughs> you can always go back to those um but what you can't mm -hmm. go back on what you can't take back is time and that's that's like always moving forward you can never go back in time so i would say like if you're young and you're listening to this if you can i would just take this leap of faith and it doesn't have to necessarily mean quitting your job i think people always think like leap of faith means quitting your job it could just mean keeping your job, but working harder on your side passions, working more intentionally mm -hmm. on your side passions and then quitting your job when it feels right. Because I don't like I don't like the camp of people who are like, you can do it, chase your dreams, quit your job. And then you quit <laughs> your job and you're like, crap, I don't have any money. Like, I don't I don't recommend that. It's more of like really intentional about your spare time. Yeah. And, you know, with this pandemic, there's a lot of time to think and I realized this year I was thinking to myself like you got to stop playing small like you're so young right now and you have so many opportunities and you have so many room to like so much room to make mistakes you you this is the time to go big you know don't play small because like when like you said when you have a family when you're settled down that's when you have so much baggage and so much responsibility that if you play big there's more casualty i guess you could say you know yeah yeah i would have to agree with that i think that you should always play big and um you know like you just you just really have to take yourself out of the norm and put yourself in a mm -hmm. position that like you it's it's easy for people to say like oh i'm not different i'm average you know i'm i'm average i'm like who am i to do this who am i to do that like for example like podcasting what we're doing right now i remember when i was first starting mine i was like dude, who am I to podcast? Like who the, who the heck is going to listen to me talk? But the reality mm -hmm. is like, that's how everyone feels when they first start a podcast. And if that's how everyone yeah. feels, it's more, it's not really about like the podcast itself. It's, it's the motivation of starting and mm -hmm. making sure that like you are different, you do have something different to offer and people will get behind it if they want to. And if not, there's a bunch of other podcasts they can listen to. So like there's yeah. a little niche for everyone. So I'd have to agree with you. My last question for you is you've been working for yourself for almost two years now, right? Yeah. Yeah. I've been freelancing, um, worked for myself since 2018. So almost two okay. years. Okay. Yeah. 
So what are some challenges that you have faced? And also this year with the pandemic, what challenges have you faced with that? Um, I mean, to be honest, I haven't faced too many challenges out of the norm due, the, mm-hmm. due to the pandemic. Um, I would just say challenges are just kind of ongoing as like a, a self-employed freelancer. Um, always mm-hmm. trying to like figure out like, okay, what's my what's my strategy for the year, for the month, for the week? Um, one thing I don't I don't personally struggle with this too often, but like that self-motivation is kind of tough sometimes. I sometimes struggle mm-hmm. with it, but not too often. But you know, like when you work for yourself and you're freelancing, you do you do wake up and you don't have to go anywhere. Like if you wanted to, you could sit down and watch Netflix like all day, you know? Um, and that that is that is tough sometimes because it does require some self-discipline. But I think like some people, when you're working for yourself, I'm sure maybe you can relate to some of this with like running your podcast and personal branding and building your brand. Like it doesn't feel like a chore. Like it's just fun to like see. Yeah. Your, like it's just fun to like see your own branding done. It's just fun to like come out with a podcast episode and then the next one and the next one so like it doesn't really feel like work for me for me I just feel like if anything I have sometimes to like pull away from it because I'm so like involved in doing it so yeah that's just my thing it's like I don't think there's challenges I think it's more so um what can be hard is finding a strategy Uh, and that's kind Mm -hmm. of a big reason why I'm getting into like creative coaching because when I was first starting out remember I was telling you like it's not that I didn't know how to take photos. I just didn't know how to make money with a camera. Like I, I just didn't understand the strategy behind it and how to do it. So that's why yeah. I want to I want to be that voice for people that wasn't there when I was trying to grow up as a creative. Because now when you go on YouTube and you see ads and Instagram, like we're bombarded with people claiming to be experts at everything now. You know, <laughs> yeah. like everyone like you go on YouTube, you have like five people telling you that they're the best photographer ever you know so like yeah. it's really hard to to like know where to look for help so I think definitely the challenge is the strategy and that's what I'm working on mm-hmm. yeah and I also think you know everything is just so trial and error and if you're so like going back to the risk thing if you're so scared to be uncomfortable and take risks and you know how are you gonna grow and as an entrepreneur, as anything, as a freelancer, you have to be okay with failing as often as possible. Because if you're able to fail as and be okay with failing, you also grow that resilience. And then like, that's the most important thing as well. Pretty much spot on. I wouldn't have said it any differently. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming on here and talking to us. I will leave your socials and website in the show notes so that people can check your work out and maybe work with you and also connect with you on social media. Sweet. That would be awesome. Yeah, you can just uh, find me on Instagram, send me a DM, we could chat about gear or photo or video, any of that kind of stuff. Uh, and if anyone yeah. in the Seattle area, shoot me a DM too. Perfect. All right. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of Hello 20s. Let's get connected and continue our conversation over on social media. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. The links are in the show notes, so you're only one click away. I hope to see you there, and I'll talk to you guys in my next episode.